0: This is Channel 253.
1: In this episode of Crossing Division.
0: I do the, the weed talk in Kitsap County for them. And I always start off by saying, if you've got a lawn and you've got a rose in the middle of that lawn and you only want a lawn, your weed is the rose. But if right. you've got a lawn and a rose and you only want the rose, then your lawn is the weed. So it's really just about perspective.
1: Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com.
2: Hi, welcome to Crossing Division. I'm Evelyn Lopez, coming to you in our pandemic. Uh, As you'll recall, we are doing a series of Friday podcasts on uh, Tacoma and coronavirus, Um, sort of talking with different people about what's going on around town and how everyone is coping. So, first, our numbers. Uh, Today, according to the Seattle Times, uh, statewide, we have 14,327 cases of COVID-19. And very unfortunately, those have caused 814 deaths uh, Mm -hmm. statewide. In Pierce County, um, we have 1,322 cases of COVID-19. Some of those are recovered, I'm sure. And we have had 49 deaths. Uh, If you're interested in information about the disease um, and um, deaths and cases, the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department website has a whole lot of information. You may want to check that out. Also, we were talking just before going, uh, starting to record, we are expecting today, and I should say that's May 1st, 2020, to hear something more from Governor Inslee, um, possibly extending the stay-at-home uh, period, possibly um, providing some additional guidance on uh, on what we should be doing as we sort of begin to emerge from our isolation. Today, I am delighted to have Dana Cogan with us. And Dana, since it is May Day, is. I thought we should talk about gardens and living things and vegetables and flowers and all those good things. So. Dana, introduce
0: yourself. Um, So I'm Dana, and I am a resident here in Tacoma. I've lived here for about 17 years. Um, My background is is that I have an undergraduate degree in what's called bioagricultural sciences and pest management. Really big fancy title for basically just (laughs) sustainable farming. Um, So I did sustainable agriculture for my undergraduate work, and then I have a master's degree in weed science and uh, plant pathology. So um, I am the noxious weed control coordinator for Kitsap County, but during this kind of weird time right now, I have really dug in deep, and pun intended, I've dug in deep into my background for um, growing food. I've always done a little bit of food growing, um, but I did what I referred to as panic planting for the pandemic. And um, I also just found this really beautiful community of folks in the city of Tacoma who are doing some amazing things. So I've had the honor of really working with some awesome folks in Pierce County. So not just Tacoma, but all of Pierce County, looking at how do we get our food? What do we do? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we're all in this really interesting space too with, um, you know, like I've lived at my home now for about 12 years. And as a whole, I know that this piece of property actually used to have a huge garden on it. And when I bought the property, I know they had kind of put in a whole bunch of lawn and everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've taken this opportunity to go ahead and kind of bring it back to what the original owners had back here. So who I am, I'm a hobbyist gardener and I am a person who loves to share my passion and my passion is making sure people are going to have some food.
2: Excellent. Well, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your Facebook page that you started up during this pandemic in a minute, but tell me first, what are the food crops that you have planted in your garden so far this year?
0: Oh, it's a long list, um, but it's a really fun list. So You know, I do the typical tomatoes, zucchinis, all those fun things. I also put out Mm -hmm. some jicama this year. I've never grown jicama. Um, So we'll see. I mean, it's kind of one of those vegetables that I think for me, it's a fun thing to have as a a little snack and a treat. So, Yeah, it
2: must, does it grow something like a potato? Does it, uh, is it, is mm -hmm. it like, because I know they're, they're a big sort of um, root tuber. Mm Mm-hmm. But I yeah. have no idea what the plant on top looks like.
0: So it actually looks a more uh, more like kind of a kale, but a broader leaf kale. Mm. So it, the bulb itself will grow on top of the soil. So the roots will be down and it'll have a big bulb. And then mm. it will shoot up um, leaves. And uh, technically, you can eat some of the jicama leaves. They don't taste all that great and they're pretty fibrous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just makes that big bulbous plant that you pick off the the soil surface and cut it up and eat it later. So jicama is the new one for me this year. Um and then tons of potatoes. I did actually um I had a whole bunch of potatoes laying around the house that had already Mm -hmm. started, you know, putting out those little eyes. And so usually Mm -hmm. we toss things like that in our in our current or prior to livelihood, right? Like we would toss a lot of those things into the trash. But the good thing is is that you can just cut up those potatoes and drop them right into the ground. Um, so I've got some purple potatoes in the ground. I've got some northerns in the ground. Um, and then the other thing that I have that I absolutely love um, is a sunchoke. And um, I've tried growing actual artichokes before and they're great, mm-hmm. but they take up a lot of space and don't really give you a lot of food back. So a sunchoke right. is actually that root system itself. It looks more like kind of like a potato it gets that large kind of rooty Mm -hmm. piece but if you cook it up it tastes like an artichoke Um, oh really yeah so i like to do soups with my sunchokes um and then if you let them go to seed they actually get this beautiful um it's in the helianthus family so sunflower family so it gets Mm -hmm. this beautiful sunflower plant on it too so if you don't eat all of them you can actually share the flowers with people too
2: Oh, that sounds wonderful.
0: Yeah. And then I've got a whole slew of cucumbers. Um, I'm also trying for the first time this year, some early growing watermelon.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Have you grown, have you grown
0: watermelon before? So I always think it it might require too much heat. I had never before have I grown watermelon. Um, And I was like, well, you know, there's a, there's a seed set that I got out of um, kind of a, a local organization here that, had an early bloom and a cold, tolerant watermelon. And mm. then I actually built up a bunch of old, abandoned tires that I had in the back of my alleyway. I cleaned them up a little bit, put soil in those, and I'm going to put the watermelon right in there and see if that heat from the actual tires will get that space hot enough to give me a melon. So we'll see. Oh,
2: interesting. Yeah. That's and then a good corn, experiment.
0: Yeah. Corn, beans, mm-hmm. some kind of... Kind of a little bit of the gamut of everything. Um, I think, you know, looking at how typically I go to the grocery store and would buy different vegetables. You know, I try to think about the things that I like to eat and mm-hmm. put into the ground. So, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Well, that sounds good. Well, um for people listening now, so May 1st, May 1st
0: if they May haven't
2: day. done anything to start a garden is it
0: too late? Not at all. In fact, this is a perfect time to start a garden. Um, I always say that uh, you're never too late to start a garden, even if you're in the middle of summer. It's never too late to start a garden. Um, You might not get the big fruits that you want out of the garden, but you can definitely still start gardens. And in fact, most people kind of have like an old wives tale of not to start planting your gardens until today. uh, May. Mm -hmm. This first week in May is really... um, kind of the the transition into spring and it's when the soil starts to warm up and you can actually start to see things uh starting to show their flowers so like i've got a couple of things that i overwintered that are actually blooming Mm -hmm. right now which are fantastic but the great news is is anybody can start today tomorrow and even into next week and honestly into the midsummer the thing would Mm -hmm. be that you know, the earlier you get it started, the earlier you get to get it in your belly. Right.
2: Well, and I had always understood that with uh, if you want to plant, plant tomatoes outside, you need to be certain that you're sort of past the cold period. And so I've always waited until about May to start tomatoes anyway. But, um, but then I'll start with small plant starts instead of from seed.
0: Yeah. And so tomatoes, um, typically the rule of thumb with tomatoes is Mother's Day is a really mm-hmm. great time to plant tomatoes. Um, I have if, on my blogs, on my little page, I feel like each week I've been tempting people. Cause I'm like, I think I'm going to put my tomatoes in and then I'll yeah. wait for about, you know, another few, few hours and I'll feel just that little bit of chill in the air. And I'm like, no, nope, <laughs> I don't want to put my tomatoes in yet. So I think, um, what you really need to do for tomatoes is actually check the temperature of your soil. So it's okay. more so the soil temperature that's important. So if you can put your finger into the soil and it's still kind of chilly, You don't want to put Mm -hmm. your tomatoes out there quite yet. And I'm with you. I start with tomato plants, but Mm -hmm. I typically start my tomato plants indoors. So I've already started my tomato plants. I started them uh, during my panic planting. So a month and a Mm -hmm. half ago. Um, And they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not super huge, which that's okay. But once they get into the ground, tomatoes start to fill their space by getting their roots out. The only thing that I would recommend is even right now, if you're going to put tomatoes out, keep them warm. So put some plastic around them, put something around them just to keep them warm and definitely plant them deep enough to where the roots are pretty deep into that soil. And maybe you just see mm-hmm. just a little bit of the top green at the top, because that actually the plant can reroot off of its stem even, and it makes it a stronger plant in the long run.
2: Okay. That's good advice. Yeah. Um, can you keep them warm with just some mulch like um, leaves or straw or is plastic really better for insulating?
0: Unfortunately, this is one of those places where plastic is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And if you can even, like I saw somebody do this the other day, there, um, there are those um, air containers that they put in like an Amazon package or in any yeah. other like package and they've got kind of a, a cup to them. And I've seen mm-hmm. people fill those up with water and then wrap that around their tomato plants in the last couple of weeks. And that's super hmm. genius because the water also will help hold heat. So you've actually got radiant heat then happening towards that tomato throughout the evening. So the real key is, is to get it really warm during the day, but then keep that radiant heat in that space throughout the night.
2: Okay. Okay. That's really good advice. Um, if someone was like a pretty novice gardener, what are some really hard to kill or you know good success plants that you might suggest they start with?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I know um, I saw a lot of people get really excited and they put some tomatoes out and then I saw them just like, whoa, they all died. And the good news Mm -hmm. is, is that there are things that are super easy. So peas are fantastic. Um, Peas are also a crop that you can keep throwing in throughout the season and you can Mm -hmm. keep harvesting at various times. Um, So peas are really great. Obviously, kale. If you are a greens eater, kale is fantastic. Um, Kale is so fantastic that it will regrow even if you don't want it to. So mm-hmm. it can become a little bit of a, a problem in your plant beds if you don't eat enough. Um, chard is really great too. And honestly, like zucchinis, zucchinis mm-hmm. grow really well around here. The only challenge with zucchinis is that you have to make sure that you're checking on them pretty frequently to make sure that the slugs aren't eating more than they should.
2: Ah, uh, Okay. Oh, zucchinis.
0: Slugs love zucchinis. So you got to watch those pretty closely.
2: Interesting. Well, I've heard too, I think I saw a post on, um, a friend, I think a friend had arugula in her yard that she had, it looked like it was sort of a, this is here for me whenever I want it. And I don't really have to do very much to keep
0: track of it. Is, um, yeah. So the arugula, I think I, I think I know the same post. That Mm -hmm. you're talking about and that arugula. So there are different kinds of arugula. So that arugula is actually a perennial arugula. Mm -hmm. So that is one that will just kind of keep growing for her all throughout Mm -hmm. the the seasons. Right. So a perennial Mm -hmm. plant is a plant that once you plant it in the ground, it will just keep coming back year after year after year, unless you do something to damage that root system. So there's quite a few perennials. Um, I get the sunchokes that I talked about. Those mm-hmm. are perennials. So you're going to get those. And again, sunchokes, the one thing I will say about those is if you plant them, you better be ready to eat them because they will spread pretty quickly too. Oh, really? Yeah. Most arugula that we're used to, like if we get arugula from the grocery store, it's usually mm-hmm. the annual arugula. And you can get those in a seed form pretty easily and just toss those mm-hmm. out. Okay. And they'll grow. They'll grow. Okay. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit, Dana, about this
2: Facebook page you started. I know it was part of the sort of, okay, you know, we're in a pandemic. What do we do to feel like we're a little bit more connected and controlled in our environment? And uh, for those of you listening, it's a really great page. It's called Gardening for Our Greater Good, Tacoma Growing Together. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you decided to start that.
0: Um, well, I am a super social person, so... Mm-hmm. Um, when lockdown kind of happened, and I realized um, I also have an autoimmune disease, so I realized mm-hmm. a little bit earlier that I shouldn't be around too many people, but that I also needed an outlet, and i my passion is growing um, mm-hmm. i I uh, joke about the fact that years ago, I was standing in a wheat field. And, and I don't mean to get too woo woo, but I'm going to get a little woo woo. Okay. <laughs> um, I was standing in a wheat field. And I really felt like there was just this calling within my soul to feed mm-hmm. people. And it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just a gentle nudge. It, it felt like it was like a, a drive and a passion. And, you know, I've been super busy in the majority of my life. And having this time period right now it felt like this was the right time to to dig in and start doing my my passion projects right and so Mm -hmm. I started just doing it on my regular Facebook page and I had a bunch of people saying well why don't you create a community around this I was like that's fantastic Mm -hmm. so um I think I created the page and within like two days we had like three to four hundred followers and I was like whoa wait a minute what is this um, and it's just really been this creative space, not just for me, but I think for others also. It's been an opportunity for a lot of people to share different things. And it's just really casual. And it's supposed to be, you know, for me, it it's my therapy for the day. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: What I like about the space is a couple of things. One is it's a really safe environment for people to ask questions. Yes. You know, it really plays to this um, impulse that we're seeing because I think we are seeing an impulse a lot of people who may have thought about having gardens in the past but haven't now during this period of lockdown I think have have thought okay well I'm going to do it you know I'm going to start my garden now and also I think this um this whole process of um the pandemic has made us feel a little bit more like You know, I shouldn't just assume that I can always go to the grocery store and get what I need. You know, I need to actually think about that a little bit. So I think it's, I think this has been a great resource for people who, who are not experienced gardeners. Um, And the thing that I appreciate about it is people are really, they're very kind on this page Mm -hmm. and that's not that common. I find in other places, even on websites or sites that are trying to be helpful, um, People are a little judgy and a little critical and I and on this one for whatever reason they seem to be more engaging in a helpful manner
0: Well, I appreciate hearing that because I I guess maybe that's part of what I was hoping to create was a space where Mm -hmm. people could ask Anything and not feel like somebody was going to come on and tell them exactly how it should be done Or they did it this way or they did it that way and it does feel like it's um, a dialogue space Mm -hmm. and um yeah, not really a space at all. I don't think I've had to delete anybody's comments. I don't think I've had to like toss anybody out. Um, and it does feel like people are growing during this time, both both realistically and figuratively too, right? Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that, you know, people are, are watching their plants. And I had one person send me the meme of everybody getting so excited when they're, seedlings first started popping up and I just think we're at a point in time where we need something to be excited about and why not yeah. be excited about watching life happen in front mm-hmm. of us mm-hmm. I think we well, complicate it way too much
2: <laughs> yeah I think you're right know, yeah, I know you've also been involved with um, you know the startup of another food co-op and wow. some other efforts to um, get fresh food out to people in the community Tell me some of those projects, and um you know the ones that are working well and and ones that you can you know ask for some volunteers or interest in
0: yeah, I think um again i this is this season is not the first time that I've really been engaged about helping food sovereignty happen in Tacoma, mm-hmm. and so food sovereignty is this really big concept about how we can take ownership over what we put in our bodies, and I think there's a big um disconnect a lot of times with what we do eat. I mean, we all take it for granted. I know mm-hmm. most of my life, I've been able just to go to the grocery store and buy whatever I wanted. And that's not right. true for everybody. Um, and so I had the honor of working with the Hilltop Urban Gardens a few years mm-hmm. back. And I've continued to connect with with Dean with the Hilltop Urban Gardens, which is a really fantastic opportunity to connect um, folks with food and and the sovereignty of like growing your own food but not just necessarily just growing it because a lot of times we don't think about the fact that growing food does take time and there's a certain class of Mm -hmm. people who can grow their own food but that's Mm -hmm. not true for everyone um if you Mm -hmm. work three jobs the last thing you want to do when you come home is work to grow your food um so there's been a real shift i think in that process is that people who have always been on that edge of having to work just to feed themselves are working now in their gardens to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Hilltop Urban Gardens. I've also gotten to work with the Food is Free project, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just started out of a passion project. Also, um, mm-hmm. Dave was kind of figuring out what does he what does he do to really get people to understand that we have plenty if we share. And if we all just come and gather around that bigger table, you can actually feed your community and grow connections too within the community. Mm-hmm. So the food is free project is actually putting out a bunch of gardens this year. Um, you can log onto their website and check out their map. And more than likely you have a food is free garden around your block and you just don't even know it. Um, mm-hmm. But he's been doing a fantastic job of organizing folks to put the physical gardens in. And then you, as the, the person if you've asked for one of those gardens, you have to tend it. But then you give back also to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then there's also uh, Pierce County Harvest, which I've been working with. Um, this is kind of my, my first time really working with them directly. And I got to be one of their uh, seed um, distributors, I guess, <laughs> is the best mm-hmm. way to explain it. So they dropped off a whole box of seeds to me. And they were like, could you get people to plant things? I was like, you bet. And their whole premise is is that if you plant, they just ask that you donate back some of that food to the greater community. It doesn't mean you need to donate it to a food pantry or anything like that, though those things are helpful and encouraged. But even if you just have a neighbor in need, you can literally just take that to them, too. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then you mentioned the co-op. So there's um, a fairly new co-op here Mm -hmm. in Tacoma. It's called the uh, uh, Grit City Co-op. And the Grit City Co-op is a great organization that prior to the pandemic, they were looking at opening um, a storefront to actually put food and make it more available, uh, put more local food and make that more available in kind of a storefront process. And right now, they're really just kind of navigating that system and seeing where Mm -hmm. that takes them throughout this process. But it's a really great opportunity to grow something new in Tacoma that is 100 um, percent community driven and mm-hmm. a way to get your your food from a locally sourced process now not everything at the co-op is going to be locally sourced but it's just going to be a small like neighborhood co-op so if you're thinking about the co-op in the pearl district or in that area mm-hmm. it's going to be much smaller than that but it's actually mm-hmm. going to be also much more personable
2: Okay. Well, and I think you know Tacoma can
0: certainly handle more than one co-op,
2: right? You bet. And we have some good farmers markets, and all of them get pretty decent usage. So, I think more sure. opportunities is good. It's really good. All right, well, let's take a break there, and when we come back, I want to talk to you about um, gardens and weeds.
0: <laughs> all right, I can do that. <laughs>
1: Hello, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by TAPCO, Pierce County's original credit union. You might already know that credit unions are not-for-profit financial cooperatives with a focus on enriching their members instead of big bank shareholders. TAPCO is committed to serving Tacoma and Pierce County, just like Channel 253. That means when you put your money there, you put it back into our community. Think about it. You go to the night market, you go to the Grand, and you shop at local stores. So why not keep your money local, too? TAPCO offers the products and services you need home loans, auto loans, checking and savings, online and mobile banking, all with lower fees and better rates than big banks. Plus, TAPCO donates to local causes and supports our community in other ways, so you can feel good about helping your neighbors. To learn more about our local choice for all of your banking needs, visit tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253.
2: Hi, we're back with Crossing Division. Before I start asking Dana about not just uh, gardens, but weeds, um, I want to do a quick shout out for membership in Channel 253. Uh, I would say, and I've been kind of loath to use these, you know, now more than ever type doom-laden phrases but I'll tell you what one of the things about being at home in Tacoma during this period of time is you really appreciate your local news sources and we have some great local news sources like KNKX and I would include frankly the um the uh the TNT newspaper but one other source is our channel 253 podcast so if you are um enjoying these podcasts, please consider a membership. It's $4 a month, highly affordable, and you'll get uh, special member details on upcoming programs, so it is well worth your investment. With that, Dana, let me ask you to put on your weed control hat a little bit yeah, and cool. talk with me. Let's start out with sort of garden weeds, and mm-hmm. then we can move on to some of the ones that you see on big roadside uh, areas that are a little bit more alarming. But what do you think are the, what are the weeds that are in any uh, average person's backyard, maybe along the perimeters, that they should probably not
0: ignore? So um, I think definitely those of us who are at home a little bit more, we're seeing a lot more weeds than we've ever Mm -hmm. really kind of noticed in the past. I think we've kind of looked outside and said, oh yeah, there's that green thing that's growing again. Um, A lot of weeds that I've been getting a ton of questions on um, are, um purple dead nettle it's this little plant that grows kind of in your grasses it's got a square stem on it and it looks like it's wearing a little purple hat so they're sort
2: of attractive really i mean they sort of look like almost um they don't look like clover in any way but somehow they sort of make me think of of a of a clover the way they pop their heads up but I, i sort of like them
0: yeah and you know so the one thing that i tell people is that um A weed is just a plant that you think is out of place. Mm -hmm. So when I do my master gardener trainings, I do the the weed talk in Kitsap County for them. And I always start off by saying, if you've got a lawn and you've got a rose in the middle of that lawn and you only want a lawn, your weed is the rose. But if you've got a lawn and a rose and you only want the rose, then your lawn is the weed. So it's really just about perspective. Mm -hmm. and one of my favorite quotes is a weed is just something that we cannot get to grow in rows and we cannot grow for us. Um, yes. So those are a couple of things that I think about when people talk about weeds. But in general, you know, we've been getting a lot of questions on the page um, about that purple dead nettle. That one yeah. that kind of looks like it has a little hat and mm-hmm. it has a square stem on it. Now, the interesting thing about a lot of these really common weeds that folks are asking about is that so many of them are actually edible. Mm -hmm. not all of them so you want to be really careful and know your weeds before you eat your weeds um but the purple dead nettle is one that comes up quite a bit dandelions you know everybody still asks about dandelions Uh, Mm -hmm. my joke is is that dandelions are just a pain in the grass they're they're not going to move into your um like if you really look at your garden ornamentally area dandelions Mm -hmm. aren't going to grow into there very easily um, because you keep that fairly well tended Mm-hmm. The other one that I've just had a ton of people asking about recently is bindweed or morning glory. And that's that okay. plant that like comes up from, it looks like it just comes up from the depths of the earth and just mm-hmm. wraps itself around your plants and starts to strangle them. Mm-hmm. And then politely puts out this really beautiful little white flower. <laughs> so, right. it, you know, it, it seems at least when it's flowering, people are like, oh, it's so pretty. And, um, unfortunately it has wrapped around your desirable plants and strangled them out. So, mm-hmm. um, bindweed or morning glory, that's one of those ones that like a lot of folks kind of, um, are seeing right now. There's also this little plant that if you go to touch it, it has like little white flowers on it, but if you yes. go to touch it, it shoots its little seeds at you and it gets mm-hmm. you in the eye or, you know, sometimes in your mouth. But um, that one is called shot weed or bittercress. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, that's also one of those ones that is edible if you want to eat it. It's in the brassica family or in the mustard family. So Mm its it's got that kind of pungent flavor. But as many of us as gardeners know, if you don't get to it early, you're going to have a crop of it that you can never eat enough of it.
2: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, it spreads. All of those little seeds shooting out are where those new plants will be coming.
0: Yeah. And then I think the other one that I've heard a lot about lately is Ivy. You know, this was a plant that, you know, in our grandparents time, everybody planted it everywhere because it was so great. And Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden it has done really great and it has wrapped now around trees. Um, It's been insidious into people's houses and moved its way Mm -hmm. in through any crack it can find. So ivy is another one that a lot of folks are kind of looking at a little uh, suspect these days.
1: (laughs) So Mm -hmm.
0: it used to be on the nice list and now it's definitely on the the not so nice list. Yeah. Um, And then the other one that I just saw somebody post about was um, a plant that I refer to as pineapple weed and it's in Mm -hmm. the chamomile family. Mm -hmm. And again, it's one of those ones that once it gets into an area It'll just take off. But if you rub the uh, tops of the plants, it smells distinctively like pineapple plant, like a pineapple. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can and those
2: ones have like a, a little sort of a light green, almost a little bit of a cone-ish top on them.
0: Yeah, a little cone. Um, it Again, mm-hmm. to me, it actually almost looks like a pineapple, like a little mm-hmm. pineapple on top of this kind of thoroughly yeah. leaf. So the leaf itself on the plant and now when, when I say plant, we're talking about something that really only grows about three to maybe five inches off of the mm-hmm. surface. It's not a really big plant, but then it gets this really small little yellowish flower on the top, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one, too. And then my nemesis in my yard is a plant called buttercup. Ooh. And this is one that gets these wide kind of leaves on it and it grows underneath everything and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you'll see just these little yellow very simple flowers pop up from it Mm -hmm. but the flowers won't show up for another couple of weeks so what you're going to be looking for right now is this little low growing plant that will create almost a mat underneath your desirable Mm -hmm. plants. Okay. Um, And then I think the other one, I mean, I have a whole bunch of them, but the other one that comes to mind that I've heard about recently too is Herb Robert or Stinky Bob. (laughs) Um,
2: I have not heard of that. Can you describe what that
0: looks like? You bet. So um, it's a fairly low growing plant again. It's in the geranium family. Mm -hmm. So it gets this kind of, um, it's not a broadleaf weed. uh, Well, it is a broadleaf weed, but um, the, The leaves themselves are very deeply incised and almost like feathery, kind of. Mm -hmm. So it looks very nondescript. But the key identifying feature for that guy is the stems of it are this like brilliant red color. And then it will get just this small little purple flower on the top of it. And some people will sometimes confuse it with um, our native bleeding heart. Uh So it looks a lot like the native bleeding heart, but has a much more quote unquote delicate leaf to it. Hmm. I think I might have. I think I've had some
2: of those in my yard. The one, the weeds that I am fine with, that I actually like, are the California poppies mm-hmm. because I like that they come up so early and they're bright and cheerful and orange. So I don't worry about them at all. The one, the weed that I don't like, that I worry about, that we do try to keep out whenever we see it, get it out quick, is uh, is blackberry because that can, you know, take over everything.
0: For sure, and um, kind of a, a little known. Uh, jeopardy fact for blackberries is they were actually created by researchers up in Seattle during, yep. So they took a few different plants and they hybridized them. And the ones that we now have that are super aggressive for us are ones that they hybridized and placed out during um, the recession because people didn't have a good source of fruit. So the researchers actually started distributing them to be fruit bearing plants, which I mean, I I can attest to the fact that the best way to control blackberry is to just eat more pie. Okay, (laughs) that works. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so they were actually created in the Seattle area. And um, unfortunately, they do really good at what we wanted them to do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which they are great at spreading and getting under and through everything. Um, I know in my alleyway here in Tacoma, we've got a huge thicket of blackberry brambles. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, those brambles don't pay attention to the fence line. Right. So I get um, vines that pop in every once in a while. And the really interesting thing about blackberry is that it doesn't just reproduce from seeds. It actually reproduces from its um, shoots. So from its Mm -hmm. stems that kind of roam around and try to find a good place to reroot itself. And if you try to mow it down, and you happen to like move that root chunk, it will actually reroot itself mm. somewhere else too. So yeah. that's one of those plants that if you've got that in your backyard, I don't often recommend um, going after things super aggressively, but that's one that I do actually say you mm-hmm. know you you need to take some drastic measures to get rid of that one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's an interesting background, though. I didn't realize that it was actually um, spread around to be a food source for people.
0: Yeah, totally crazy, that huh? is,
2: Yeah, that's really crazy. Yeah. What about sort of in the in the outdoors, the bigger um, weed control issues that you deal with at the weed control district? What are yes. some of your big nasties
0: and how do you deal with them? Awesome. So the way that I typically describe my work is that I'm the mm-hmm. CDC of the plant world. Okay. So we go after the Ebola's, the polio's, and now the COVID's. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the stuff that we've already talked about are kind of like your common colds there. Right. We, we ask you to sneeze into your elbow and keep them on your own property mm-hmm. if and when you can. Um, but the ones we go after are ones that we know either are extremely toxic to people or to animals. So a couple mm-hmm. of them that we'll actually see in the city, um, is a plant called one of the main ones is a plant called poison hemlock. So. This is actually the plant that Socrates drank for his death sentence. Wow. Yeah. So everybody thinks about, oh, well, Socrates, well, not everybody. I don't know who else thinks about (laughs) Socrates. But but Socrates' death sentence was to drink hemlock. And so a lot of folks think instantly, oh, the hemlock tree. But it was actually this herbaceous plant that's Mm -hmm. in the same plant family as carrots. Hmm. So again, as we're talking about gardening and how everybody's getting excited about gardening right now, this plant is one that can mimic um, carrots that you maybe didn't cut down or eat last year. So it gets mm-hmm. that white top on it. So it gets that mm-hmm. really um, distinct kind of what what's called an umble top or an umbrella type top. Yeah. And then when you look at the plant itself, if you start looking at the um, stock of the plant, it has this really brilliant purple splotching throughout it. And okay. The phrasing in, in the noxious weed world is that that's the blood of Socrates. So wow. that's, that's the dead giveaway are those purple splotches. So if you've got purple okay. splotches, you do not want to eat that plant.
2: Right. Is the, enti- is the whole plant um, toxic or is it just um, certain parts of it?
0: So the entire plant is toxic. So if okay. you, in fact, we had a gentleman up uh, in the north part of Washington a few years back Um, had taken some because when it's really young it also looks like parsley
2: yeah it has the same kind
0: of smell as parsley because it's in the same plant family Mm -hmm. Um, and he had actually eaten some of it and he had paralysis in his hands Mm -hmm. and if he were to eat enough of it he could have died from it Um, I believe it was 2010 maybe a little earlier than that there was actually a woman in the city of Tacoma who had been out and she had been doing some gleaning so what that means is that she had been just kind of or foraging she had gone out and she had mm-hmm. found something that she thought was an edible wild carrot because there is an mm-hmm. edible wild carrot but she had found it she had eaten this plant and she was sick and nobody could figure out why she was sick she did end up passing away mm-hmm. because she had eaten the root of the plant so every part of that plant is extremely toxic And I happen to be one of the people who also is allergic to touching it. So if I get any of that Mm -hmm. sap on my skin, it actually causes a blistering on my skin. Wow. Yeah.
2: Although that's not a bad reaction. You know, you at least know you need to keep away from something.
0: Exactly, exactly. And then you've got the cousin of that plant, which is um, giant hogweed. And that's giant hogweed is a plant that we actually do find, again, in urban areas because Mm -hmm. of the fact that it was shared as a garden ornamental. So a lot of our really aggressive invasive species were actually somebody's prized beauty in their garden at one point in time. Mm -hmm. 60% of the state noxious weed list, 60% of it is escaped ornamental plants that have moved from our backyards into our natural areas and are wreaking havoc in our natural areas. Mm -hmm. So giant hogweed has that same humble kind of flower, so that umbrella-looking flower on it, The leaves on it are five feet in diameter.
2: Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. And the stalk of it is about three inches around. Okay. And this plant, if you get any of this sap on your skin, it will cause a caustic burn that will blister up and you will be permanently scarred from that plant.
2: Really? Where where, Where would we encounter this if we were unlucky enough to encounter it?
0: So, unfortunately, if you're unlucky enough to encounter it, I have actually seen it all throughout the city of Tacoma. Um, Oh, I find it. Yeah, I find it in alleyways a lot. So, it seems Mm -hmm. like maybe it had been in an old garden and then it was pitched over the fence at some point in time. Mm -hmm. And again, people just didn't know what it was for a really long time. Um, I think I'm trying to think of the last place that I saw a pretty good patch of it in the city of Tacoma is actually an open lot behind the Safeway in Hilltop.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. And I
0: remembered seeing it over the fence and I, I went and I, I left a little pamphlet on the front of their door. And and even though um, you know I'm the Kitsap County Noxious Weed Control Coordinator, yeah. the weeds don't know the boundaries. So neither do right. the information and education. So I'm I let so them angry. know what they had and I gave them the, the Pierce County Noxious Weed Control Board's uh, contact info. And it was gone in a couple of days. So I think they definitely- Oh, that's good. Yeah, they that's took care of which is fantastic.
2: Yeah, um, that's great.
0: And I, I always say with stuff like that, one a day keeps a million away because each of those plants mm-hmm. are going to produce thousands of seeds just in one generation. So we mm-hmm. really can make a difference just by doing one or two things. So mm-hmm. those two plants in general are probably the most toxic ones that I have mm-hmm. to deal with. Um, we also deal with, uh, as a weed control program, we deal with another really aggressive plant called knotweed
2: but i was going to ask about that specifically is that japanese knot
0: knotweed is it the same so thing? there's actually what we call a knotweed complex so japanese okay. knotweed is one of the genetic forms of this plant and there's actually mm-hmm. four maybe even five genetic variations on this plant and since we had since we have hybridized it and recreated it as humans mm-hmm. and redistributed it um, it cross-pollinates, so originally it was like oh. one or two genetic strains, and now the genetics, if you were to actually lay it all out for the knotweed, it's kind of all mm. over the map, and we have now four to five different very distinct genetic strains of knotweed. Um, mm. And this plant is, um, it was sold in the Sears catalog, so a lot of folks had it. Okay. It was also um, one of the Olmstead brothers' favorite plants to put in their parks and gardens. And if you don't know much about the Olmsted brothers, um, you, I could talk for days just about the Olmstead brothers. <laughs> they did some fantastic work. They were some of the folks who actually put together um, sites like Wright Park. They helped mm-hmm. actually design the, the plant species in Wright Park. And in fact, little known history in Tacoma here, they actually were trying to turn fur crest into their own little city kind of play area for a while. So oh, if you dig in deep, real deep into the history, the Olmstead brothers had their hands in that one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were these two brothers that went around the nation, repopulating things and recreating, right? So they took things from the East Coast that looked really good in the East Coast in the parks, and they marched it kind of all throughout the, the United States and ended here on the West Coast. And this plant was one that they liked to put in their gardens because it was what they referred to as a natural growing fence. So you could Mm -hmm. actually create, like put it into an area and then create smaller gardens for people to enjoy Mm -hmm. because it'd be these little nooks kind of mixed in. Um, But the challenge with knotweed is is that it is a triple threat plant. It reproduces both from seeds, shoots, and roots. And um, it's super aggressive. The root system on knotweed can actually break through concrete and asphalt? Well, I had read an article about um,
2: knotweed being a significant issue in, uh, I think just in England, but in the United Kingdom, where it, your your house sale will fail, your property value will plummet if knotweed is found on your property because they've, they've either had so many problems or they believe there are so many problems where, the knotweed is going to come in and basically destroy your foundation and destroy your whole home. Yep.
0: So, and the interesting thing about the knotweed in the UK is that the majority of that all came from two known in um, plantings. And so they are genetically, basically the same two plants all throughout oh my the UK goodness. Um, and wow. that you are spot on um, in the UK. If you have this plant, you either have to remediate it yourself Or you basically kind of walk away from the the site and and take a big price cut in your sale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And just for those reasons exactly, um, that root system is super aggressive. I know for us in Kitsap County, a lot of our um, houses are on a septic system. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not on a regular sewer system and you've got an open or a, a septic system where your drain field is out in the open, we've seen a lot of knotweed mix into that drain field area because there's a ton of nutrients and then what it does is it will break up your drain field and then actually now you've got sewage going directly into our creeks oh so that's not good and then the other piece of knotweed is that we see it all up and down our waterways it it definitely Mm -hmm. loves water um and so it destroys salmon habitat and so mm-hmm. our salmon enhancement groups, we've worked really closely with them to actually remove knotweed right along the water's edge and bring back in native plants that are extremely important to hold the banks of our shorelines along our creeks. Because if the knotweed gets in there, the root mass of it is about three feet in diameter and will oh, actually like, cause the bank to either erode or just completely pull the bank down and destroy that ecosystem.
2: Wow. Wow. I did see something someone was uh, writing about eating knotweed, though, something about steaming the, um, the brand new the shoots or yep. brand new shoots. OK, but I think that's I mean, that might be a little ton of a tiny, thin silver lining. I don't think that you could harvest enough knotweed to eat it and get rid of it that way.
0: Well, I've got a whole talk that I do called If You Can't Beat 'em, eat 'em. Okay. And so I've actually got a whole uh, uh, presentation that if you're interested in that, I think I posted it on the, the Facebook page that I created, but I can repost it again. Knotweed okay. is one of those plants that you can definitely eat that shoot system, but you have to eat it really early because once it grows, um, actually right now, even my little knotweed patch and yes, I have knotweed. My little yeah. knotweed patch in the backyard here is already five feet tall. Wow. So you can't eat that anymore. But The other silver lining is, is that if you're uh, really crafty, you can cut Mm -hmm. it right now and you can um, actually break down the pulp and turn it into paper. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That would be interesting. Oh, very good. Well, we're
2: running out of time now, Dana, but tell me what else were you hoping you would get a chance to talk with us about? Because this has been really, really interesting.
0: Well, thanks. Um, I don't know that I really had anything that I wanted desperately to talk about except for the fact that this point in time, for me, gardening and being in nature is extremely healing. Um, I think mm-hmm. that we're all looking for something to ground us. And the one thing for me that has been the most grounding is my garden. Um mm-hmm. and that can be one of two ways, right? Like as I'm pulling out weeds, I can either pray or I can swear. And I usually do a 50-50 deal on that. (laughs) Um, But it's also something that, again, in this time period where there's uncertainty, it feels like growing a plant is something for me that is certain. And again, like we said earlier, even if it doesn't work the first time, the great news is, is you can start again tomorrow and see if your seeds grow. And gardening also takes patience. Um, you can't plant something today and expect to harvest it tomorrow. So when we plant a garden, we plan for our futures. And I know that that's a cheesy meme, but it is truly life is that when we plant a seed, we are expecting a better tomorrow. And so I think as a community in Tacoma, I would love to see all of us plant a few seeds so that when we are allowed to, and when we can do it safely, we can all dine at the same table together and enjoy each other's company, and enjoy each other's harvest.
2: I think that's a wonderful, wonderful hope and a wonderful idea. All right. Well, that's it for this week's uh, Crossing Division. Thank you so much, Dana Kogan. I really appreciate you. you. I love your website and your your Facebook page. And um, yeah, I agree with you. It's an investment in our future, an investment in our community, and it is also very soul-satisfying to garden. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, and if uh, I guess I would say, Dana, if people want to get a hold of you uh, and want more information, how can they contact you?
0: I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. probably the best way to find me. Okay. Um, And then if you want a secondary way to find me, you can actually um, send send me an email at my first and last name, which is D-A-N-A. Last name is Coggin, C-O-G-G-O-N, at gmail.com
2: great thank you thank you all right and if you are listening to this and you have ideas for future episodes we would be delighted to hear from you you can find me also on twitter at true underscore tacoma or send me an email true tacoma at gmail.com thank you
1: Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.